0: two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on ScoreNorth and ScoreNorth.com. That's a Mackie and Judd production, but it is Tuesday. Time for the bonus scoop with our guy Doogie. Of course, Declan, executive producing, as always, doing a wonderful job multitasking behind the scenes. Doogie, what is going on, my man? How are you today? Happy draft week, Judd.
1: Good to see you. Hello, Declan.
0: Good afternoon. So let's start. Draft week. We are now uh, two days away from the first round, which, of course, is going to begin on Thursday night in Cleveland. What do we know about the Vikings? Uh, Palisaro, um reported, and we had talked about this going back a few weeks, Dukes, that the Vikings have definitely made calls uh, to teams above them. I've been told that they went as high as four and called Atlanta. But, of course, that was going to cost a ton, so they bowed out there. What can you tell me as the draft approaches about the approach um, of Rick Spielman and the people at TCO Performance Center?
1: If the Vikings move up, Judd, I think it's way more realistic. It's to 10 Dallas or 11, the New York Giants, that they're not going as high as four. They are not going up to Chris Spielman and the Detroit Lions spot at pick seven, even though Rick and Chris clearly have a wonderful relationship. Denver at nine, I guess, offers some intrigue. George Payton, Rick's guy. Mm -hmm. But I think it's more realistic that it's 10 or 11 for one of the offensive linemen. Now, does Panay Sewell get that far? Does Rashawn Slater get that far down the board? I think it's more likely it's Rashawn Slater. So I think if, if the Vikings end up moving up on Thursday night, Judd, I think the target is Rashawn Slater, offensive lineman. Northwestern.
0: Which would probably be, they would probably be to, need to be 10, right, for that one? Like, that's probably the the territory. Because he's not going to get to 14, I don't think. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be taken really early. How how early do you think, or how, how far up in the draft do you think, that they would have to move to be very confident that they could get Rashawn Slater?
1: I think the real key is jumping the Chargers at pick 13. So the Chargers... With a new coaching staff, one of the gentlemen they brought on board was at Northwestern. Small world, right? Was at Northwestern the last few years. So they have somebody in the building that has the book on Rashawn Slater. I'm led to believe that book is pretty squeaky clean. That that There's a lot to like about Rashawn Slater. If you look at the Chargers tackle situation, they can certainly use a tackle. So I think the real key is just to move ahead of pick 13 the Los Angeles
0: Chargers. What does your spidey sense tell you right now? If they stay at fourteen positionally tackle still, uh, because I do, I think that they, I think we all agree that they need help on the line and especially a tackle. The wild card, dukes for me personally, is the presence of Zimmer and, of course, his love of defense. And and here's where it gets intriguing to me. So they don't have a second round pick. But if you were to bail backwards and like target Quiddy Pay in the 20s um, and trade that 14 pick to a team that also threw in a second-round pick, that's the one thing where I think that Spielman and Zim could actually come to an agreement uh, because Rick not having a second-round pick, I think, is really going to bother Rick.
1: Oh, I agree on that. My rebuttal to what you just said, Judd, is who's moving up to 14? Is the key for Devontae Smith? the Heisman Trophy winner to fall to 14 for a team like Baltimore Mm -hmm. or another wide receiver needy team. Maybe it's Chicago. Maybe it's Green Bay. Maybe it's Tennessee. For one of those teams to jump up for Smith, like I don't know who else is jumping up for a particular player. I know Chris Sims, who I like, by the way. Chris Sims, I think, does excellent work. His mock draft from this morning has Justin Fields getting all the way to pick 31. What? I have a hard time believing Teddy? that Justin Fields, yeah, picked thirty one. Like yeah. to me, if he starts stumbling even a little bit, no. somebody is going to jump up for Fields. I think it's even higher than fourteen. So like to me, like who's who's coming up to fourteen? But yeah, could I see a scenario like that where you move back, you end up with Quiddy Pay. I struggle, Judd, to see them taking Jalen Phillips with that concussion history. It's tougher more than ever to have the full medical book on these guys just because of a non-traditional combine. Guys were in Indianapolis in the last, what, seven to ten days for medical checkups, but that doesn't mean that every team had a medical representative there. So you're trusting some secondhand sourcing on that. I just, I think that's a slippery slope. As good as Jalen Phillips could be, Jalen Phillips, don't get me wrong, three or four years from now, we may look back and say, to Jalen Phillips from this draft class. I just think, though, with the injury history and the concussion history, I would be surprised if the Vikings went that route, especially at pick 14. Maybe they're willing to roll the dice more if they end up moving back 7, right. 8, 10 spots later first round. But I think Quiddy Pay makes a bit more sense in that regard. You know, I also wonder if Mike Zimmer is pushing for J.C. Horn, a really good cornerback, that the Alabama cornerback isn't going to be there at 14, but – You think about the 2022 Vikings. So next Monday, the Vikings have the deadline to pick up the Mike Hughes fifth-year option. We can say right now, Judd, the Vikings are not picking up the Mike Hughes fifth-year option. So Mike Hughes is about to enter the final year of his contract. Mackenzie Alexander, one-year deal. Xavier Woods, one-year deal. Yeah, they want to keep Harrison Smith, but right now Harrison Smith entering the final year of his deal. Patrick Peterson one-year deal, Jeff Gladney, even if Gladney ends up playing, what does the future hold? How long might a suspension be for Jeff Gladney? So, like, you think about the secondary. The secondary not only can use some immediate help, but more so 2022, they could use all sorts of help. So I do wonder if Zimmer, I don't think fans want to do it a little bit for the cornerback. But if I had to bet right now, Mm Judd, unless there is a really good trade back scenario, I think if they end up staying at 14, it's an offensive lineman. If they move up from 14, it's an offensive lineman.
0: Let's talk about the what, what you just talked about with the Chris Sims mock draft, Justin Fields. After I covered um, the the 2005 draft, in which Rodgers went from being the presumptive possible first overall pick, and it was Alex Smith went to San Fran, and then he began to free fall into the 20s. I said there will never be a quarterback like that again who's projected that high, who falls that far. Now, Teddy did, but I also don't think that by the end of that year, Teddy was, uh, was the presumptive like top, a top five pick. Fields was. I can't imagine that you are n- not right in this case. I can't imagine that somebody wouldn't come up and get him if he truly started to free fall. Like 214, and offer the Vikings if they, they didn't want to take Justin Field something, right? I just, I don't see a scenario in which a guy who, you know, as recently as a, two months ago has been batted around as the third overall pick and at one point the second pick. I don't see in a quarterback star of league, dukes, how you get him to the end of the first round.
1: Well, I mean, just look at Washington and Chicago. You mean to tell me the Washington football team and the Bears are passing on Justin Fields that he would get all the way to the early 30s? Like, no way. I mean, there's not a whole lot of certainties heading into Thursday night, but that is one thing that I'm pretty certain on, that Justin Fields is not lasting that long. Hey, how about this question, Judd? If Justin Fields is staring the Vikings in the face at pick 14, would they be making a mistake selecting him?
0: No, I don't think – no. No. I don't think. Would I don't think so. So here's the thing: Ponder was a reach. Like Ponder was projected by by many back then, Doogie, as like a second round pick. Okay, and the Vikings were desperate, and and that's the key word here. They were desperate. So so at that time, Les, less Les desire was for Rick to get him a veteran starter, which they did in McNabb. Rick's desire and desperation was I gotta draft a quarterback, which he did in ponder, okay? If Justin Fields is staring you in the face with what we know about him, you aren't desperate. You've got Kirk. But that puts you in the catbird seat, in my opinion, to say, we're not desperate. We just think he's that good. And if if you're right, we're talking about a problem solved for what, doogie, potentially 10 years with with if Kirk is gone after 2021, possibly. Four years of a rookie contract, which for a quarterback is a bargain-basement deal. Um, no, I, I think the Vikings might be making a massive mistake if Fields is there and they dump the pick. I might. I think I'd take him.
1: I would take him, too. Let me even take it a step further. Could there be a scenario, Fields is sitting there at 14, that this season is not necessarily a redshirt season for Fields? they creative, find different ways. Think about the Saints, they, the way they use Taysom Hill. Not that Justin Fields is quite the athlete that taysom Hill is, but could you get creative in some different ways to get fields on the field this year? interesting to help you win games? I like it just something to ponder but yeah i'm I'm with you if if Justin Fields is sitting there at pick fourteen there's just there's too much value there, even if you feel like you've got your quarterback for the next few years i'm not anti having the next guy. You know, on the roster like that to me would be a no-brainer. I would be. It would remind me of way back when, when I was at the peak of my fandom. It would have been what 1995. Warren Sapp is sitting there staring the Vikings in the face. They yep. passed on Warren Sapp. I was in my buddy Zach's living room. We literally went ballistic. I was 15. He was 15. So again, the peak of of my fandom. I've been jaded, you know, being in this business since. 1996 you know but in 1995 like I was all about being just a a diehard fan and for the Vikings to pass on Warren Sapp like I thought it was moronic idiotic and you know what even with his off the field hiccups it was and not that Derek Alexander was a complete bust but they missed on Warren Sapp like I would have maybe comparable feelings and, and not to say that Justin Fields is going to end up in the Hall of Fame like Warren Sapp has. But, right. like, I think I would have those same those same type feelings if, if Justin Fields is sitting there and they at least don't act on, on some sort of trade opportunity, at least take advantage of being in that situation. Fine, if you want to pass on Fields. But if you just stay there at 14 and take Darisol from Virginia Tech, oh, I think, or Vera Tucker from USC, yeah. and you pass on Justin Fields? I don't see
0: that. Judd, I would go nuts over a scenario like that. And Dukes, too, it, this is a quarterback. This is a position at which you've been starved to fix for how long, right? And, and heck, to, to go back to the days of your fandom, we have seen them try and fix this through short-term things, and some of them have been a lot of fun. Uh, Brett Favre was great fun, but that was never going to be – Long term, and and they took their shot with Kirk, and I completely get that. I don't think it's going to work as far as going to a championship, but if you are but if you are looking at a QB, it's it's what Phil and I have fought about forever. In retrospect, you had two picks in two thousand five, and you took Troy Williamson and Erasmus James, and a quarterback who a lot of people thought might have been the top overall pick in that draft, Aaron Rodgers. Just went right, right past you. Uh, 2005, it was a mistake. 2021, that's malpractice. Like this is the most important position Doogie in all of sports, right? So if Justin Fields is the real deal, and yeah, there's quite the questions about everybody, and there's subterfuge constantly. I get that, but if this is that case where he just falls to you at 14, and you're like, oh, we're good, you're crazy, you're absolutely crazy.
1: For what it's worth, the feedback I've gotten on fields including from my guy Randy Mueller, the one-time NFL Executive of the Year back in 2000, the former Dolphins general manager, the former Saints general manager. I talked to Randy yesterday. He actually hopped in on some different Zoom calls, you know, just with his with his contacts. He had access to to some of these Zoom interviews that guys did with teams. Yep. And not only that, but just the feedback that that is really good on Fields. Like, I would just say, flip on the tape of, of that semifinal game against Clemson not mm-hmm. that long ago. Like, there's so much to like about Justin Fields. I hope, Judd, for the sake of what we do, because it would be an unbelievable talker, even if they end up taking Fields, mm-hmm. but if they pass on Fields. Like, I hope, you know, somebody who roots for storylines, give me that storyline on Thursday night that Justin Fields is sitting there and he's in the ballpark for the Vikings to either – Maybe even move up for him. Like, I'm talking about I see if they move up, it's for an offensive lineman. But maybe you jump up to 10 or 11. You know, not that the Cowboys would take fields, not that the Giants would take fields. Jump up a few spots and take fields that way. But, like, I hope that scenario presents itself, that Fields is staring the Vikings in the face.
0: Where do you think Trey Lance goes, Dukes? Because I think Mac I still, Mac, yeah. the, the Mac Jones thing to me is an enormous curveball.
1: I think Mac Jones goes three, but I don't say that with any sort of conviction, Judd. Sure. You know, just even just maybe even reading the tea leaves ever so slightly with Kyle Shanahan's comments on Monday. I just think the Niners go with Jones, but heck, if they go Lance on Thursday, Judd, I'm not going to be shocked. But I think Mac Jones goes three. So then the question is, okay, is Atlanta locked in on Pitts? Could he go as high as four? If not four. You know, where does he end up going? I would think in that scenario that George Payton Bucks to go after Trey Lance.
0: So, because I, the two things that I think also are, are ripe to ha- happen if Lance starts to fall uh, past five, Doogie, is I think that there's a very good chance that Detroit trades from seven, or Carolina trades from eight, and that's where, to your point, Washington comes up from 19. Like, Washington's got to get a quarterback at some point here. Um, so, it wouldn't shock me if if a Washington or or if a team like the Bears, and I know they've got Dalton, but that is not an answer. If a team like the Bears came up to Carolina's pick, so th- this is where I don't think you're going to get a quarterback free falling like has happened in you know 15 years ago, because I think that for the most part, all of these guys are regarded too highly. The only guy that if he doesn't get taken, I could see falling a lot is Mac Jones, because I have no idea what to make of him. And I think that Shanahan sees him as his Kirk. But beyond that, I don't think that there's a lot of teams probably clamoring for Mac Jones. I think those top four guys are are probably, or they should be safe to go high. They should be.
1: I mean, the floor is seemingly Chicago at pick 20, right? That Washington yeah. is where, 19? I don't have the full But Washington could come up to the to eight
0: to Carolina, for yeah, instance. Yeah,
1: whether it's Washington at 19 or Chicago at 20, yep. those would be two teams to keep an eye on. You know, if a quarterback free falls, if the quarterback doesn't get past those two spots, or, yeah, one of those two franchises moves up, could Trey even go to Carolina? Like, yep. the date on Sam Darnold's fifth-year option yeah, he could. is after the draft. Like, are we sure that Carolina, even though they gave up a decent amount, but are we sure that Carolina is completely married to Sam Darnold? Nope. You know, now, if Denver doesn't end up with Trey Lance, doesn't it make logical sense for Denver to make a trade for Teddy Bridgewater? Yes. That George Payton knows Teddy really well, that that Teddy ultimately ends up in Denver? Yes. Like, I could see that happening. Agreed. You know, that would make a lot of sense to me if Denver doesn't end up with with Lance or potentially Fields. But it just, it it, (laughs) ain't serious because we know how badly the Vikings need offensive line help. You know, does Sewell go five or does he go six? Does he go seven? Or is he potentially still on the board at pick eight? And yeah, I told you I think the floor for Slater is pick thirteen. Yep. But is it possible that a team a little bit higher up? Like Dallas, I think needs a defensive back. I think Dallas going cornerback, the Alabama cornerback, makes a lot of sense. But could Dallas even go Slater at pick ten? Like those are those yeah, are still questions wow. yeah. those are still questions that linger in my mind
0: yeah that that's a good point I don't think I think that they'll go defense but but they they have been so um they have been patrick certain the second has been mocked to them in almost every mock doogie and it's to the point where I almost am now hesitant to think it's going to happen because it's so widely being done right and and like if you see a mock if you see every mock agree that pick unless it's the top pick that pick like a ten. Is not right. So you might be right. Here here's my question too. So as well, and we
1: see that all the time, Judd. So like last year, just using last year as an example, Yep. Kinlaw, the interior defensive lineman, was mocked for the longest time to the 49ers. Yep. The 49ers end up trading was it the Debunkner to Indianapolis. So they had this need interior defensive line. Like that made sense for so long. What ends up happening? The 49ers end up with Kinlaw. So there are many instances where it just it makes too much sense. And you're right, Dallas has this glaring need for a cornerback.
0: What's your thought on this, though? So we, we talk about the obvious um, potential permeations of what the Vikings could do with that first-round pick, and it's fun to talk about QBs. Um, and, and certainly if you could solve that problem long-term here, it would be ideal. But what is your sense about the immediate pressure on the GM and coach right now uh, from the Wilfs to win in 2000? And I don't mean just get to the playoffs. I mean, potentially now win a playoff game, make a run. Uh, Because as much as, you know, Rick will always say, well, we always go with the best guy on our board. The truth is, no, you often go with the best guy on your board who's going to fit a need. I think that's one thing about this is, is their contracts, which start three-year deals in 2021. You know, if they don't have a great year... That's two years of buying them out, new TV deal in play, post-pandemic. It's very possible. So what's your gut tell you about just the pressure on them immediately to say, the future's the future, but we have to win right now?
1: I think the pressure is immense. Now, you could argue there's pressure every year, but I think it's ramped up even more so this year. Everything they've done the last six, seven weeks has pointed to them really feeling like, hey, we can return to our 2019 ways. And maybe there's even something to be said about the odd number years under Mike Zimmer. 15, 17, 19, now 21. That This is think We are returning to the playoffs. We are way closer to the team that won a playoff game in New Orleans, went to the divisional round, yeah, didn't play well in that San Francisco game, but we're closer to that team than the team we saw last year. And when you think about the returns of Daniil Hunter, Anthony Barr, Eric Hendricks missed a lot of time last year. Michael Pierce is playing, signing Tomlinson, bringing in an older Patrick Peterson, who they feel like is still an upgrade over what they had in house. Everything they've done, Judd, points to them really believing, hey, we are going to rebound this year. We can win double digit games. Like bare minimum, seven, 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 eleven and six. That that we will win. Double-digit game. So I feel like from the Wilf down, that is absolutely the expectation that they feel like come this week, they can fix the offensive line. If not fully this week, there's still some guys available in free agency, but I can tell you, Judd, there's nothing hopping on Eric Fisher. Maybe there will be eventually. Nothing hopping on Eric Fisher right now. Mitchell Schwartz, I'm just telling you, in short, I would not bet even a penny that Mitchell Schwartz ends up with the Vikings. Coon? I just and, and I don't say Russell that lightly Dukes? nothing hopping but we know that they chased him previously before they signed Riley Reeves so right. yeah there are enough guys out there Villanueva who maybe is is pigeonholed with Baltimore but if he's still out there you know I, I think there's still enough guys out there that could potentially help them but they're going to fix the offensive line one way or another and I think it's as soon as Thursday but if it's not Thursday it'll be Friday
0: Speaking of fixing things, my good man, on this session of the scoops, let's turn to the local baseball team. Where do we? Where do they, not we, it's not my problem, where do they start? Because this thing feels off. It feels weird. Uh, Rocco Baldelli in Monday's game against Cleveland did something I don't think I have ever seen in a big league game before, and it didn't cost them. But when you make a second trip to the mound having – I guess, forgotten that your pitching coach made the first trip, and then you're going to leave Barrios in, which, by the way, is very weird because ordinarily when Rocco goes to the mound, it's to take guys out. And then he said, I just forgot. And But this whole thing at, what, 7 and 14 at this point just feels off. What is your thought process about how they try and start to put the pieces back together? Because if you don't do it soon, you're going to be out of it. Like, you can't I keep agree. on this yeah. path.
1: I'm with you. It feels off. I will tell you, Judd, even in the last five-ish years, it's rare, but not completely unheard of. Don Mattingly, I think, you know, where he's at now, I think one instance with, with the Miami Marlins, same thing happened. Joe Girardi, I can't remember who was with the Yankees or with the Phillies, but but same thing. So, yes, can't happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know how that happened with Rocco but it's not completely unheard of that that other managers have made the same mistake. That's not taking Rocco off the hook. It can't happen, but I'm just telling you it has happened. Unfortunately, I'm not quite sure they're doing anything well right now. Like they're not hitting, they're not fielding. They're not pitching Alex. Cola, the Alex or Alexander, whatever that bleep. He wants to be called. Uh, I don't think you DFA him at this point. I, but
0: that's close. Like, that that's getting close.
1: He's made eight appearances and he's blown what is it four save opportunities. Took the loss on Monday night. Yep. It's been five or six where it's been horrendously bad. He said like one or two passable, you know, appearances. But but yeah, out of eight, like most of them have been train wreck bad i don't know what you do at this point with him like you need to demote his role or you know create a phantom injury and put him on the injured list but it's not like he's the only one tyler duffy gives up the home run on monday night his velo was off down in fort myers to some extent really only taylor rogers has been pretty good and it's not like he's been unhittable hansel roblace has shown me enough where you feel okay about him but Collectively, the bullpen has been really, really bad. Like, think about some of these defensive alignments we've seen, and I get it. A lot of it is just based on you know guys being hurt or being on the COVID list. But like Louis Arise probably shouldn't be in left field. He just shouldn't. Correct. You know, and then like last night's outfield alignment. Like, if I told you on March fifteenth we would see an outfield of Jake Cave, Brent Rooker, and Luis Arise at some point, especially when you're in a rut like you could really use a win, you would have told me you're, you're nuts, right? Like it's, it's awkward. I think there's some friction in the clubhouse, frankly, that they're not at the 85% COVID vaccine threshold. Like, I think that's weird. You know, we know that Andrew Simmons is pretty outspoken about, about his, you know, lack of desire to, to ever be vaccinated, but it's not like he's alone. He's just the one that happens to be vocal, but there are other guys who are anti the vaccine. Maybe they eventually change their minds, but there are guys that I'm aware of. I won't say names right now. I don't think it's, it's, you know, germane to the conversation to just be spewing names, but I can tell you, like, I can think of one for sure. He's just not interested in the vaccine, just isn't. Maybe his mind is eventually changed. So I just, I wonder if, if that is creating some, some interesting dynamics. Uh, I'm not suggesting it's over, but. Like they started in 2016, seven and fourteen, and they ended up losing what 100 games. So, you know, we've seen it go, you know, way out of control with with a start like this. We also saw 2006, where in late May they were eight games under 500, then finished the season 71 and 33. So, I mean, that's the thing. There there is a track record, Judd, with a lot of these guys, but there's other guys like Mitch Garver. It's entirely possible that 2019 was the outlier. Yep, that was the career year. Mitch Garver's never going to touch those numbers again. That they need some catching help. I don't know where you go find it. Like I would at least make a phone call on Jonathan Lucroy. The Twins have not done that to date. I checked on him for for this very conversation. Thank you. The Twins have not made a phone call on Lucroy. And not that he would solve a lot of problems, but that would allow you to send Jeffers to AAA, let him get some seasoning at AAA, something he hasn't done, and you would have Lucroy as as your number two uh, catcher, I mean, I would look at Shane Green. He's a pretty good reliever that's on the market right now. Now, I need to, I need to chase an update on him. But like, you mean to tell me Shane Green couldn't at least help the bullpen a l- little bit to get caught up to speed? But that's a move that that I would certainly look at. But like, I don't know, Judd. Like, even Michael Pineda, who's been so good, you know, wasn't so good his last start. Right. And Kent you know, is is regressing. I mean, it goes back to what to what former Twins general manager Bill Smith told a good friend of mine years ago. Like, guys have good years, and then there's always this expectation that every one of them comes back the next year and has another good year, and it just never works like that. There there is a regression to the mean, and I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. I wish I saw some more fire from Josh Donaldson. My father-in-law brought up an interesting point this morning with me. He told me maybe it's recency bias watching these – Twins Indians games, but he misses Eddie Rosario. You know, that he felt like it's like the twins, this personality to the Twins that they are desperately missing right now. I told him I I respectfully disagree, but you know that's that's a working theory. I don't think he's alone on an island with with that opinion. But I don't know how how they fix it, Judd. And I actually think the Royals might be close to to legit. Maybe not ninety win legit, but that they can win in the mid eighties. And like for the Twins to get to even eighty eight wins at this point. They would need to play about five ninety baseball the rest of the way. Yeah, and I just don't see the evidence. And I'm on the record preseason saying they're a playoff team, and so like I'm not going to change after 21 games. But I'm just I'm being a realist. Like it's hard to see the path to them playing nearly 600 baseball the rest of the season to get to 88, 89, 90 wins.
0: So you touched on on a, a thing that I find to be intriguing about this whole thing because we don't have and have not for 2 years now had access to the clubhouse doogie. We don't know a lot of things. I mean it's all zooms which is basically post game shows. Um but your it feels like when i say something's off, it feels like there are dynamics that we don't know a thing about going on. You know, 2019 was incredibly smooth for Rocco and the team. But part of the reason why was like it didn't take a lot to walk in that clubhouse for the limited amount of time that we're allowed and to like sense what a difference Cruz made, what a difference the whole team felt that there was a camaraderie there that was really good, that there didn't seem to to be the old um, from a couple of years before that, the Lance Lynn thing, right? Or the Lomo where you're like, these guys, this is not going to work. Um, It feels like that. It feels like something's off in the clubhouse to what you're saying, we don't know what they're not going to share it, but that's why it definitely does not. It doesn't just have the feeling of, well, they're struggling and they'll be fine. Um Something's gone off the track and I can't begin to tell you what, but, but in, in sports, I think we underestimate how important that becomes because we get so caught up in analytics, statistics, right? Like what's Mitch Garver doing at the plate? that we sort of forget the dynamic of these guys are playing an incredibly intense game, the seasons are long, they're with these pe- their uh, teammates more than their families, and if they don't get along and things start to go sideways, that's going to be a problem. Like, like the old thing of 10 guys, 10 cabs, that can work for superstar teams sometimes, but that's not true across the board, in my opinion.
1: And, I mean, I'm not even quite sure how exactly you quick fix it. I'm with you, Judd. I don't have all the answers. You're right. With, with us not having access to the clubhouse, I don't have the insight that I normally would. I'm just telling you though, we know like this is fact now it could change. Maybe some guys change their minds two, three weeks from now, the twins reach that 85% threshold. But right now there are teams that have hit the 85% COVID vaccine threshold, the St. Louis Cardinals, some others. Mm -hmm. And those guys are now allowed to do a lot more and the twins can do, go out to dinner, just a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, again, let me make this clear. This is more a theory of mine. This is not me reporting anything definitively. Please don't aggregate this. But it is a working theory of mine that there are guys that have gotten the vaccine. We know that from from the pictures they put out, Nelson Cruz and others, guys that have gotten the vaccine. Yep. And I'm sure – They would love to have the freedom that a lot of their colleagues on other teams have. And the fact that they don't have that freedom, I just can't help but wonder if that's creating, even if it's just a little bit of friction, but some sort of friction in that clubhouse. And, hey, there could be a really good team. I don't have intimate knowledge of the Kansas City Royals or another team that's in first place. They're absolutely, I mean, with 98% certainty, Judd, there is another team in a comparable position, there is a team in first place right now playing good baseball that is not at the 85% threshold. So it's still not, you know, like a legit excuse. Like you can still go out and play capable baseball and go out and win games. Yeah, But I'm with you. When you're around these guys so much, there is something to be said about chemistry. However you want to define chemistry, that in baseball it's more important than any other sport, and certainly something does seem off right now with the Twins.
0: Do you think once um, um, Kepler comes back, Sano c- comes back, how much do you think that that helps? Because it's my personal opinion that I'm not sure they're going to save th- the day. And look, Ostadia and J Cave should not be playing on a daily basis. There's no question about that. But, you know, Miguel was at what, 111. Uh, Kepler has not been the same player essentially since 2019. So the problem too is, offensively they've been terrible, and and there are people, <clears throat> the the broadcasters basically that are on TV who keep telling me, well it's injuries and they're you know they haven't had their full lineup and they're going to have their full lineup. That's a great thought, but I don't know that I'm convinced that when Miguel and Max come back that that saves the day because it's not like when they got hurt or in Kepler's case when on the COVID list, Dukes that they were absolutely tearing th- things up. I don't know why by that when everybody's back, it's going to be fine. I think that there's still some question marks offensively.
1: There are still question marks, but you said it, Judd. It's Dio, it's Cave, it's some others. Give me Kepler and give me Sano over those guys, or give me the option of playing Kirilov at first base. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, Then, then I suppose you are playing a rise in left field, which is not something I, I like. But if Buxton is the center fielder, I feel better about it that Buxton can mask some of Arise's warts in left field, and it's not Arise's fault; he's not a left fielder. And Cleveland it's is tough. Just the predicament that they are in. Sure, that corner yeah, in Cleveland Cleveland's can be tough. tough if yeah, played out there. One hundred percent. Yeah, no, no denying that. That's why just looking at you know the position they were in yesterday was just so darn un- uh, unfortunate. But. Like here we go again with Buxton, right? Like
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, even checking with some some people, you know, that that know that that are not Rocco cuz Rocco went on the record saying, you know, it seems like this is a short-term thing. I've heard the same thing, but like again, it's one thing after another. Like Byron, just can you can you play 7 straight days? Can you play 15 out of 16? Like let's keep you on the field because Byron, like you're a legit MVP candidate. Now, if they end up with seventy-five wins, you're probably not. But the way you're producing, you are a top-five player in the league. Your team needs you in the lineup. You need to find a way to stay in the lineup. Play, you know, and
0: like. But do you fault? Do you fault? Him think, to a we, certain degree, we or think no? It's
1: it's always going to be something.
0: Like it is always something. But do you fault him, or is, are these just? I don't all- fault him. Legit. I think
1: there's a toughness there. I mean, he's a former football player. I know. That's he's got some I... of that football toughness. So I think if he could play, he'd play. So I'm not questioning his toughness. I think his knee was legitimately sore when he woke up on Monday morning. I understand that. It's just so darn un- unfortunate. Yep. And, like, it's what we talked about a couple weeks ago, Judd, with Buxton, with Polanco, with Arise, with Donaldson, with Cruz. We're almost – It's cringeworthy. Like every time they swing, every time they run. Now, if, if they've sustained, you know, being in the lineup and it's, and it's, you know, May 25th, okay. Maybe we feel differently, but like these first four, five, six weeks with these guys missing games. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you not feel like what's next? Like, that's the feeling I have with Buxton, unfortunately. 100%. It's okay. Buxton probably back in the lineup as soon as tonight, Tuesday. But then what's next? Does he ding up his hammy? you know, in tonight's game or Wednesday afternoon's game, yep. you know, and then he can't play this weekend against the Royals. Like that's, that's my mindset right now. And I'd love to be able to advance past that mindset.
0: All right. So the one thing that I will say, Doogie, to me, seems more and more like uh potential malpractice on the part of the, on the part of the front office from the winter is this, and it comes back to Buxton and it comes back to the knowledge that you are probably going to send Kirilov down to start the year because of service time. How did you not sign or pursue a starting caliber outfielder who could play center and then can just go play left because that's the norm now, right? Like I mean some teams have three guys who have previously played center field in left, center and right. You know, I guess it's maddening to me how you end up with Jake Cave and i like, oh, Jake Cave will play out there. Like Jake Cave. Okay. He's on the roster. I get that. Teams have Jake Caves, but how did you not go pursue somebody that you legitimately thought and brought and Broxton clearly is not that guy because he, he has been in St. Paul at the alternate site the entire time. How did you not acknowledge that? Because Byron Buxton being hurt and out is not new. Like, we've been through this every year. I guess it's maddening to me because you could have assured this player some playing time in left, so it's not like, oh, it's just a bench role until until Buxton gets hurt. It's actually pretty much a full-time role. I don't understand if you're going to be a contending team, how you didn't, like, do the math there and come up with a solution of, we got to pursue this player because we cannot count on Buxton playing Take your pick. 140
1: games. Well, yeah. You know. They have a healthier opinion of Jake Cave than you and I do. And they feel like if, in a pinch, Max Kepler can play center field. That Max Kepler can be an above-average defensive center fielder. So they can always shift Max Kepler over. And they felt like once they made the move to help out the infield defense, the pitching staff, with the Angleton Simmons move, yep. okay, what do we do now with Louis Arise? We're going to have to create some bats for him in left field. So I'm not saying that they were right about that, but I'm just taking you through their thought process okay. on this. But, yeah, like even into February, Jackie Bradley Jr. was sitting out there. It's not like Milwaukee had this glaring outfield need. No. Milwaukee doesn't even have the DH. They had yeah, Kane Milwaukee in center field. Like, yes. Hey. Like, let's go get this guy. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, you could argue that with Jackie Bradley Jr. sitting out there as long as he was, and it's not like Milwaukee broke the bank for him, that the Twins made a mistake not pursuing Jackie Bradley Jr.
0: Absolutely. Final scoop, sir. Run through some final scoops for us.
1: Sure. I try not to overuse the word hero, especially in sports. You know, I think it can be nauseating, you know, when some commentators use that word. But in this instance, real life, I don't think I'm overstating it, that Kim Royston, I know Kim's dad, Chris, real well, going back many years. Kim Royston, the former Gophers defensive back, he started at Wisconsin, so he was a great athlete at and darram Hall, committed to Wisconsin, transferred. The rare athlete went from the Wisconsin Badgers to the Minnesota Gophers back in the day, played for Tim Brewster. Mm -hmm. So Kim is now the assistant principal at Plymouth Middle School. So a kid brings a gun to school on Monday. Kim Royston was a big reason why that situation did not turn into an absolute catastrophe. Really? You know, a tragedy that, that Kim was a big reason why uh, they were able to disarm uh, the young man. And so Kim Royston, true hero. So yeah. I mean that when I say Kim Royston, hero. Also on the Gopher men's basketball front, anytime you see a player that has a pulse that is six, eight or taller, just presume that the Gophers have reached out on that player. And they're looking for size. Steph Mitchell, former Shakopee High School star, good player in the ACC at Boston College. Multiple Gophers coaches have reached out to him. He is now in the portal. It does sound like he is actually going to test the NBA draft waters first. Why not? Maintain your eligibility. You know, get some feedback from an NBA team or two. What you need to work on? Then play college. So I think a lot of the guys that are testing the pre-draft process, like Brandon Johnson, You know, he played for the Gophers last year. I think a lot of these guys are going to end up back in college. So the Gophers roster is still incomplete, Mm -hmm. but make no mistake about this. Ben Johnson is pursuing a bigger two before anything else. Like you could argue they could use another point guard. Like is Peyton Willis really your number one point guard? But I'm just telling you, I'm not saying that maybe they don't bring in another point guard at some point, but the number one priority right now, big. So Steph Mitchell is one name, Sterling Manley who's in the portal. He played at North Carolina. He's another one. They would love Christian Bishop, a really good transfer from Creighton. Double-digit score for a really good program, Creighton in Omaha. But it sounds like Bishop will not pick the Gophers. I don't even know. Maybe he has picked somewhere already. I don't know, Judd, but I was told a few days ago the Gophers are not getting Christian Bishop. Okay. Great stuff, Dugues. Talk to you. And we should give credit to Judd to the Timberwolves. I mean, yeah. it's been a very enjoyable product. The last week, even the loss in Sacramento, that was, that was a fun game. There is reason for hope, right? That, up, that they have a winning record. You know, what is it? Eight and six now. That if you think about their main four players, now I would say main five, including Jada McDaniels, but if you want to go main four, mm-hmm. Edwards, Delo, Cat, Beasley, those four have only played together for 13 minutes. So when you think about Chris Finch, Well, I've told you for weeks, is a brilliant coach. He is really good Mm -hmm. at what he does. We saw it again last night on display. So you give Chris Finch a summer to work with guys, a full training camp, a full preseason, that there is reason to be optimistic heading into next year, especially if they can find a way to keep their top three draft pick.
0: All right, sir. I'll talk to you.
1: Sounds good. See you, boys. Bye.